to the Uplevel Your Relationships podcast. I'm your hostess, Allison Anderson, MD. This is the place where high-achieving women come to create relationships as extraordinary as their careers. If you're looking to uplevel all of your relationships, including the one with yourself, I've got you. Using evidence-based mindset tools, my training as a life coach, and my own experience as a physician, wife, and mom, I'll teach you everything you need to know to create relationships beyond your wildest dreams. I'm so excited that you're here. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, hey, my friend, welcome back to the Uplevel Your Relationships podcast, and thank you so much for joining me again here today. You know that I love creating these episodes for you, and if you enjoy listening to them as much as I enjoy making them, I would be really honored if you would share your favorite episodes with a friend or two or three who you think could benefit, because I am passionate about building this community and spreading these messages, and I would be really honored if you would assist me in that endeavor. So I am back from my solo trip to Scottsdale and it was really, really good. It was much needed and it felt really nourishing in a lot of ways. I went to the Pink concert with my mom, which was seriously fantastic. If you haven't seen Pink live in concert, I do recommend it. Now I have like a little bit of a weird thing about concerts because I don't know, maybe I'm just being, you know, like an old lady about it, but sometimes they're so freaking loud that you just can't enjoy the music. And Pink's set was not like that, but one of her opening bands was where I was just like, what in the world? Like I can't even hear what they're doing because it's so loud. And I'm definitely that guy that wears earplugs at a concert because I guard this temple of mine in all ways as much as I can. And one of those ways is protecting my hearing. Not very sexy now, but it's going to be sexy when I'm 80 and I can still hear what people are telling me. Though maybe I won't even want to hear what they're telling me at that point. I don't know. But anyways, um, so yeah, live concerts are like amazing. And sometimes they're also a little bit chaotic and loud and crowded. So I get that if it's not your, you know, it might not be your thing. But if you are into concerts and you like Pink's music even a little bit, I would definitely recommend that you see her live because she does all this crazy like acrobatic aerial stuff and you can see that on TV like I think there's a documentary somewhere on Netflix or somewhere else about um, her like concerts and her family and different things where they show her aerial act but in person it's like mind-blowing. This woman is up on these crazy high apparatuses (laughs) I don't I don't even know what they are like cables. I don't know what it is, but she like literally flies across the huge stadium all the way up to the top sections. She's like flipping around super fast. She's singing. I mean, it's just like insane. So for the acrobatic performance element alone, I would definitely recommend seeing the pink concert if you ever get a chance to do that. So I did that while I was in Scottsdale, and then I basically spent a lot of time just by myself for multiple days at my favorite resort, kind of just relaxing, lounging, enjoying the atmosphere, enjoying the sunshine, enjoying the place, um, sitting by the pool, relaxing in my room, which was beautiful. And I got a lot of work done for my new program that's coming out soon, Dating Without Drama. So I'm really, really excited about this group coaching program that I am creating. I mean, really, I've created it. So the program that I am coming out with soon, I guess I should say, it's a one-month intensive to help you either start dating or start dating better. 
And that means, you know, actually enjoy the dating process and not view it as such a drag that I know so many of you do view it as. So dating without drama is a one month hybrid, um, self-study course and group coaching program. And it's going to be really, really fun. It actually is going on sale on October 30th, which is my birthday. And we start our first um, group coaching calls the week of November 6th. So if you want info on that, make sure that you go to the link in the show notes of this episode and you can get kind of a preview and read, you know, the whole sales page about it, get some of the details. And then you can also get on the early access list, which you definitely want to do because there are going to be some really juicy bonuses for the first couple of women that sign up for the program. And there's literally no downside because even if you don't know if you'll want to sign up for the program, the early access list is free. You just pop in your name and email address and then you'll be among the first to know when I actually drop the full course information and the registration opens. So anyways, in Scottsdale, I recorded the video content for the self-study portion of the course and I just, I'm really proud of it. I had a fun time doing it. I like the way my videos came out. I, um, I don't really like, just like with this podcast, I don't usually script anything that I bring to my community. I have maybe like an outline or some ideas about what I want to talk about, but I don't script word for word. I don't like read off a teleprompter or something like that. Um, and I'm really proud of how the videos came out with just sort of spontaneously talking about the topics that I had outlined. And I can't wait for the group coaching component to start. And I'm just like really, really over the moon about it. So I got that done in Scottsdale. I had a good time with my mom, had dinner with my mom and dad before that pink concert. And then I had a lot of downtime to myself, for myself and by myself, which was exactly what I needed. So now I'm back, back to work at the hospital, back in real life. (laughs) It's always hard to do that. As much time um, freedom that I have now in my career and in my life, I always just really savor those vacations or times that I'm fully, fully off of hospital work. Um, And I'm always like having a little bit of a case of the Mondays when I have to go back to the hospital. As much as I love my anesthesia job, it's just always like a little bit hard to go back. So anyways, I'm back now. And I want to talk to you today about something that has been really on my mind and resonating with a bunch of my clients. Like multiple clients have been having issues that I used what I'm going to teach you today to kind of guide them through. And it's been really, really helpful to them. And it's been really helpful in my own life. So what I'm talking about today is how thinking patterns are like a migraine. (laughs) So let me give you a little bit of background. If you've listened to this podcast at all, you know that we have a lot of default thoughts or a lot of default thinking patterns. And because of the negativity bias of our brain, our default thoughts and thinking patterns are usually not very helpful and they're definitely not usually very positive. So we, if we're not aware and we don't pay attention to what we're thinking about, if we don't watch our thoughts, it's really common that we will have some sort of negative or unhelpful ingrained thinking patterns that lead us to sort of feel not amazing, do things that we don't actually really want to be doing or not do the things that we do want to be doing. And then those default thoughts and thinking patterns basically create default results in our lives that we don't actually want. 
And there's more on that in a lot of the other podcast episodes. But basically, you know, when we are not intentional with our thinking, we have default thoughts. That's just the way our brains work. Now, some of it relates to the concept of sage versus saboteur, where the unwatched brain will have a lot of activity in the saboteur regions of the brain that cause a lot of sort of negative thinking patterns and default thoughts. And with intentionality, you can shift your brain and your thinking more into the sage regions that generate a lot more positive thoughts and allow you to create the results that you truly desire in your life. So we have default thoughts and default thinking patterns. All of us do. Okay. And a lot of my work is how to sort of unwind those and be intentional about the way that we think about things. So I teach a lot about how to sort of separate your thoughts from your actual being. Like these thoughts that we have are not us. They are just thoughts traveling through our brain. We have like 60,000 of them a day and they aren't necessarily true. And they definitely don't necessarily mean anything about us as a person. So a lot of the work I do is to sort of help my clients really start looking at their thoughts, doing thought work, doing a thought download, writing down all the things that they're thinking, and then really identifying what are the useful thought patterns that they have and what are the things that they maybe want to work on modifying. And then, of course, I use that framework from positive intelligence about shifting the brain from saboteur thinking more into a sage mode through a few different specific exercises. And that's all well and good and super helpful. And what I notice is that a lot of us, like pretty much all of my clients, me when I'm not being intentional, most of us humans, we tend to judge ourselves for our thinking patterns. So I'm talking really about the people that are becoming self-aware and are maybe interested in personal development. They start to notice that they have thoughts that don't serve them or thinking patterns that aren't really helpful in their life. But then because they want to evolve their life, they end up judging themselves for having those thinking patterns. Now, someone who's super unaware of any of this probably isn't judging themselves for their default thoughts. They might be judging themselves for the default results that they get. So like, for example, if they have a lot of thinking patterns that contribute to them, like not exercising or eating healthy or taking care of their body, they might have the result of an overweight or unhealthy body and they might judge themselves for that but they don't necessarily go to the level of awareness of judging themselves for having the thinking patterns that create that result. But my clients and a lot of us that are interested in personal development and doing this coaching work, we will be aware that we have thoughts that don't serve us and we'll be aware that we have thinking patterns that sort of create results that we don't want in our lives, but then we'll put judgment on top of that. And this is all on a subconscious level. Like we will think that somehow we are supposed to get to some level where we completely eradicate all of the unhelpful, negative default thinking that we have. And that is not the point, my friends. The point of being self-aware, doing personal development, getting involved in coaching is not that you just like magically erase any sort of negative or default thought or thinking pattern that you have. The point is that you learn how to manage it. And, you know, I think a lot of us understand that on an intellectual level, but really what keeps happening and what I keep noticing over and over is that my clients are still judging themselves for having their negative default thinking patterns in the first place. And so I was thinking about like, what can we do about this and how can I sort of help them 
to get out of that habit of layering on self-judgment. And something that came to my mind is when you have migraines, and so I know there's probably a pretty big percentage of you all that do get migraines because it is a fairly common thing. But if you have migraines, you might have the kind of migraine where before it happens, you'll get like an aura. You'll get some sort of a prodromal symptom or constellation of symptoms that tell you, oh, I'm about to have a migraine. This is also true in people with seizure disorders. And I use the seizure disorder example a lot too, but it feels like a little bit jarring. (laughs) So the migraine one I think is more relatable and a little bit softer, and it's just more common for people to have migraines than seizure disorders. So I think the analogy can be a bit stronger, but people that have seizure disorders also often have a prodromal constellation of symptoms that tell them a seizure is coming on. Okay. So if you have migraines or a seizure disorder, you might get this sort of warning from your body, some set of like little symptoms, subtle things that start to shift that tell you, oh, that migraine or that seizure is coming on. And so a person with migraines who gets that aura, who gets that sort of preemptive warning from their body that a migraine is coming, they will often have a protocol that they do in order to either prevent the migraine or make it as mild as possible. So someone who feels the migraine coming on might take a medication to try to prevent it, like a rescue medication. They might also just practice really good specific self-care and do the things that they know help mitigate the migraine for them. So maybe they go lie in a dark room, make sure that it's quiet. Maybe they even take a nap. Maybe they hydrate, maybe, you know, whatever. They might have any number of things that they do as part of their migraine prevention protocol. And similarly, someone with a seizure disorder, if they feel that like preemptive thing of a seizure is coming, they might also take a rescue medication, or at the very least, they might put themselves in a safe situation where they know that when the seizure happens, because it's going to, they can be as safe as possible. Okay. And so I've been thinking about how that concept of sort of getting this like preemptive thing, this little warning from your body that something's coming, and then having a protocol to mitigate the effects can really relate to our thinking patterns. And here's what I mean. So I'm going to use the example of someone who has an anxious attachment style and thinking pattern. Um, I've talked about that recently in another episode, and it just so happens that lots of my clients have sort of baseline um, anxious attachment patterns and me too. So this is why it's so relatable, but you can fill in the blank with any sort of um, default thought or thinking pattern that you find yourself kind of experiencing over and over and you're self-aware enough to realize that that's your thinking pattern, but you're still judging yourself for having it. So in the example of someone who has an anxious attachment pattern, they might find themselves like with just a few little thoughts kind of creeping in that tell them that they're going towards a pattern of anxious attachment. So like for me, Overall, I am very secure in my relationships, in my life. I am confident. I'm independent. I'm, you know, able to take care of myself, all of those things. And in my marriage, at a baseline, I might feel just pretty steady and comfortable and secure. But I have a history 
of having an anxious attachment style. And my brain still has the propensity to go towards thoughts that make me feel anxiously attached to my husband that make me, you know, feel like thoughts that make me feel clingy or needy or scared at the first sight of conflict, etc. And so when I'm at the baseline of feeling secure, securely attached in my partnership, then, you know, everything's cool. Like I'm not having too many crazy thoughts about, um, you know, what does he really mean by that? Or does this conflict mean our relationship is over? But I will notice some very subtle shifts start to happen in me when I'm going to start moving in to that default pattern of anxious attachment type thinking. So I'll start to notice that kind of out of nowhere, and like it's not really out of nowhere because it's always my thoughts in some way, but sometimes the thoughts are just, you know, they're so quick and subconscious that we don't even really recognize that they're happening. So what what will happen to me is that it seems like almost out of nowhere, I'm suddenly feeling just like a little bit skeptical about things with my husband or something he said, Um, or I'm starting to feel like a little bit more judgy than usual about something that's going on, or I'll feel myself start to get a little bit guarded and standoffish. Um, And those are kind of the telltale signs that I'm about to go back in to kind of this default thinking pattern that makes me feel anxious and clingy and needy about our relationship. When those little subtle signs start, I've noticed that from there over the next few days, I often transition into this state where I get a little bit paranoid. I like ask many times, is something wrong? Like what's going on? I overread his facial expressions (laughs) and his uh, vibe. And I'm probably even wrong about what I'm reading into, like the way that he's acting and being. And I will often end up creating a conflict where there was none to start with. And then I will view that conflict and my anxious attachment will come in and be like, oh my gosh, see, like now the relationship's going to end. And then that will just layer even more suffering on top of the whole thing. Okay. And I know that I'm like making myself sound really crazy, but I want to share this with you because it's so, so normal for these patterns to kind of be under the surface and sometimes still arise. I'm super self-aware. I do tons of work on myself. I'm always thinking about what I'm thinking about. I, you know, often have a coach that I talk to regularly. I do a lot of self-coaching and still this thinking pattern comes up for me sometimes and that's totally normal. And I want you to know that you are totally normal if you have some default thinking patterns that aren't helpful to you that you're super aware of and you can't seem to stop having And it's really normal if you feel like you can never get to a place where you completely eliminate all of those negative thoughts because you are never going to eliminate all of your negative thoughts, okay? So that's why I share this example that makes me sound semi-crazy because I want you to know that you are not crazy and neither am I. This is just how our brains work, okay? So when I notice just those subtle shifts in myself of like a little bit of guardedness, a little bit of skepticism, it's like a little deviation from the baseline. It's nothing really outward yet. My husband doesn't always necessarily notice it right away, though he is pretty in tune with me and he will start to notice actually pretty quickly when something seems off with me. And 
I just said how I can be wrong when I think something seems off with him, but he's usually right when he thinks something's off with me. That's just like one of the many um, unfair advantages that I feel like he has sometimes in our relationship. But anyways, I, so I notice these subtle shifts in myself and then I've been on to myself enough that I know that those subtle shifts usually mean that I'm going to have sort of like a spell of default thinking patterns that make me feel anxious about our relationship that make me create conflict where there is none. And so just like if I were to have migraines, when I notice the aura coming on that tells me that migraines about to happen, I could have a protocol in place to either head it off completely or at least minimize its effects. When I feel these subtle shifts in the way that I'm kind of thinking and feeling, I have a protocol in place for how I prevent myself from going into full-blown anxious attachment and causing a scene when there is no scene to be caused. And so I, for me, what that means is I check in with myself like, okay, wait, is there something going on, first of all, with me? Like, am I not sleeping well? Have I not been focused on nutrition or movement? Have I not been getting like any sunshine or fresh air? Have I been, you know, overworking? Has something been going on for me um, at the hospital, et cetera? Some of those baseline things are so essential in our mental health. Um, I've been listening, actually, this is a side note, but I love the Huberman Lab podcast. It's like some serious nerd shit, like hardcore neuroscience, but I think it's pretty accessible. Um, to the general public. And I've been listening to a lot of his podcasts lately. And it's just, it's just so impressive to me and so clear to me how our mental health is inextricably linked from our physical well-being. And that really starts with a foundation of sleeping well, but also with um, nourishing our body, moving our body, getting sunshine, being connected to other people, etc. So I when I feel the like aura of my anxious attachment starting. When I feel those subtle shifts in myself, I have a protocol in place where I check in about my own self-care, like what's up with me? Is there something that I can improve there? I have a lot of compassion for myself. Like, is there something going on that's out of the ordinary, that's sort of making me more irritable than usual? Um, And then I also look with a lens of just, you know, curiosity, like, is there something going on with my husband that I'm actually sensing? Or like, is there something up in our relationship that needs addressed? Is that what I'm feeling? Um, And so then I kind of can look at that from a more neutral place instead of creating this like big issue out of nothing. And so I do my my protocol, I do my self-care protocol. And usually if I catch these first signs of me going into a spell of anxious attachment, and I do a protocol of self-care and curiosity and looking at what's happening, then I can usually avoid going into that full-blown anxious attachment thinking pattern. And so I share this with you because I think it's really useful to use this parallel of having migraines to say, not only can you be onto yourself and really sense when something's coming up and you can take steps to minimize the impact, but then also think about this. Like someone who gets migraines or someone who has a seizure disorder, they probably don't like that necessarily about themselves. They're not like overjoyed that they have that. They're not like, oh yeah, I would totally choose to have this if I could pick. But most people with those kinds of medical diagnoses are not beating themselves up for having it. They're not like, God, you're so stupid and worthless. Like, I can't believe you have seizures. Like, why did you do this to yourself Um, or migraines? They're not adding that layer of shame 
and like self-flagellation on top of the diagnosis that they have. They might not like that they have it, but they accept it and they just learn how to manage it. And it's not this big dramatic thing that I think we make our default thinking patterns into. So we, when we are self-aware and we are working on ourselves and we are evolving ourselves, it's really common to view our negative thoughts and our default thinking patterns as like a big problem and think something along the lines of, oh, I'm just not doing this right. I'll never figure this out. There's something wrong with me. Why am I so crazy? Like, will I ever get over this? I'm stupid for thinking this, etc. So I like to draw this parallel. If you had migraines, you wouldn't necessarily, and you would probably unlikely be beating yourself up about having migraines. And you would very non-dramatically recognize the prodromal symptoms that a migraine's coming and do your protocol to minimize the effects. And similarly, when you have default thinking patterns, like the anxious attachment one that I was talking about, or anything else in your life that doesn't really serve you, you can view it as something that's just a condition that you have. And it doesn't mean anything about you as a person, and you didn't do anything wrong. And you can kind of non-dramatically learn to accept and deal with it and take the steps of your protocol to minimize its effects. Now, the other beautiful thing here, though, with talking about default thinking patterns versus migraines or seizures, you might never get to a place where you completely eradicate your migraines or your seizures. You just might like have that forever. And it might be a non-modifiable condition that you have that you literally just have to deal with and, you know, take care of yourself through for the rest of your life. But the beauty with default thinking patterns is that you actually can over time modify them. So with practice, you can start to make those default thinking patterns more and more quiet. Like the way I'm talking, I still have this pattern of anxious attachment come up, but it's not as frequent as when I wasn't managing my mind and looking at things and taking the steps to sort of um, be on to myself and shift my thoughts. And so the really amazing thing about default thinking patterns is that the less you judge yourself for them, And the more you can just be sort of neutral and accepting and take care of yourself when you feel those patterns coming up, then the more you get to practice managing your thoughts when they're trying to go off the path of, you know, crazy default thinking and the quieter and quieter and the less and less frequent those thoughts will get. So I think that this analogy is really, really helpful. My clients have been loving this and really resonating with it recently. So I wanted to share it with you. I want you to start thinking about any default thinking pattern that you have as not a problem and not an indicator that something's wrong with you as a person and not sort of a badge of dishonor that you're just like not good at managing your mind. Okay. I want you to start to view your default thinking patterns as a condition, a part of you, something that you don't necessarily enjoy, but that you can accept and manage your way through. And I want you to really use this parallel of, the protocol that someone might do when they feel a migraine coming on and create your own protocol of what you might do when you feel your default thinking pattern pattern coming back up. And again, that involves a lot of baseline self-care and then just some curious questioning of what's going on for you. So I hope that's helpful. 
let me know how that lands with you. Send me an email, send me a DM. All of my contact info is in the show notes of this episode. You know, I love to hear from you. And while you're at it, please make sure to click the link in the show notes and check out some of the info about dating without drama and sign up for the early access list. Because if you are a single woman who wants to start dating or dating better, you definitely do not want to miss this course. And you definitely do not want to miss the early bird bonuses that I'm going to have for the first couple people that register. Okay, my loves have the best week ever. And I will talk to you in next week's episode. Take care.